Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Corny Charm Podcast. My guest today is Tom Palladino. He is a holistic medical expert and a scalar researcher. I'm super excited to learn all about that. And how are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you for the invitation, Courtney. My pleasure. So let's start with the holistic medicine and your background in that. How did you get involved in that? And how did that lead you to scalar energy? Yeah, my, my work really is ground. I, I'm working with scalar energy, what some people call zero-point energy. Mm-hmm. These are zero-point energy instruments that I'm going to demonstrate. Okay. And what do I mean by that? This is not electricity. It's a different form of energy. So I'm working with energy instruments. It's energy from the sun and the stars that I can capture with these instruments. And in so doing, I work through force fields. I don't work with people directly. I work through force fields of people by way of their photograph. So this is quite, uh, if you will, off the beaten path, but we're going to make this mainstream hopefully someday soon. Wow. So, And how did you come in contact with this? How did this become uh, on your radar? <laughs> That's a good point. I always wanted to, to uh, follow this course of independent study, if you will, scalar energy, or what, again, we call zero-point energy today. I was fortunate enough in the in the 90s to meet an American family by the name of Hieronymus that was experimenting with scalar energy instruments. And I I performed an understudy with this Hieronymus family. Um, Some of these are, are, if you will, the what I call the uh, elaborate rendition of a Hieronymus instrument, a more powerful rendition of a Hieronymus instrument. Long story short, I met this American family, Hieronymus, in the state of Georgia, they taught me the scalar energy science. It's, it's quite profound, but it's quite, if you will, hidden. It's mm-hmm. a new and emerging science. And that really gave me my platform as a scalar energy researcher. And what is scalar energy? What is zero-point energy? How would you explain it and describe it? I, I would say it's the initial energy of the universe. That okay. What powers the sun and the stars? At the very center of a star is scalar energy or zero-point energy. It's, um, it's quite profound. I, I believe it's a direct cause, a first cause from God. So I do believe it's divine energy. Interesting. So I, I know you had said that uh, Tesla was a huge influence. What, what was his work in regards to this? Tesla was the first man to harness scalar energy. And what I always uh, note is that Tesla began his career with AC electricity later in his life. He was no longer interested in electricity. 
in, in deference, he, he wanted to work only with radiant energy, what he called it, or scalar energy. Now, why is that so important? It's free energy. I can't emphasize that enough, Courtney. What Tesla and I are working on is free energy from the sun and the stars. We don't need a power plant. Sun stars are the power plant. It's quite profound. So I, it is absolutely quite profound. And there, there's lots of, uh, I, I've done several episodes on stolen history and there are many theories surrounding uh, this energy being kind of the locust of a lot of the potentially many resets that we've experienced, yes. um, you know, because uh, the powers that shouldn't be, as I like to call them, um, yes. you know, don't want people to know that this type of energy has the uh, capacity that it does because that would make their locus of control and power and, uh, of course, the financial system much less relevant. Um, so, yeah, right. but so I'm curious, though, but a lot of people have a very hard time wrapping their head around it, around it being legitimate, uh, viable. Uh, and I, I've also... Uh, I've also done some research and heard, you know, other experts talk about, you know, that this, that there is a binary uh, capacity for uh, this type of energy, you know, like anything powerful, it can be used, uh, yes. you know, directed towards a uh, positive healing, uh, useful modalities, and it can also be used uh, as weaponry um, and uh, very devastatingly detrimental. Um, and I've heard, uh, you know, some people even make claims that scalar weaponry could be more powerful than nuclear um, and uh, that that's uh, something of concern to people. So can you talk a little bit about uh, how it can be utilized and yes. uh, you know, um, in both regards? Yeah. OK, well, 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 concentrate on my work. I have nothing to do with weaponry. And you're right. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it's, it's my, it does have a binary function. Mm -hmm. So, for instance. This instrument is on. This is a scalar energy instrument. I'm going to just move my camera over. That's sure. part of the instrument that's in operation right now. Okay. This is a scalar energy instrument. This, that's not electricity. And these are two Tesla coils that are broadcasting that free energy, what we call radiant energy right now. And as a demonstration, I'll show you what I mean by free energy. Yep. I'm going to hold in my hand a fluorescent tube. This is in its factory packaging. When I pass this close to the instrument, it illuminates. So that's the capacity of scalar energy to illuminate an object without mm -hmm. wires, without any other power source besides that of the Tesla coil. So mm -hmm. this is the free energy that Tesla envisioned. This is the free energy that I envision. So on a small scale, we can do that. Now, we simply have to learn how to take that energy and, and if you will, administer it, broadcast it over a vast difference distance and if we can illuminate a light bulb locally then we can illuminate a city in the distance mm -hmm. well, what does that mean that's free energy for mankind and we're getting there we're it's it's a it's a process but we are getting there so what what could be done with that energy i i i want to make this really concrete and tangible for people i know you're you're a whole, yes. holistic healing expert right so you yes. you work on the healing modalities for people yes. uh there's also the potentially the potential for this type of energy to power things literally yes. right uh, you know they've talked about you know in lieu of electricity for instance right yes. that it, or in lieu of gas even uh yes. that it could power things like cars and you know, heating and lighting, right. that You're sort right. of thing. So, so, but yeah, please explain how right, some of that right works. 
I'm, I'm working with in reference to quantum health. It's not biological health, quantum health. Let me explain. Mm-hmm. I work with people by way of their photographs. I actually place a person's photograph in the instrument. Now, before I get into that, we're having a conversation through our computers. Yes. Our, your image is in my computer. My image is in your computer. So what's the point? We can share information. Well, when I work with people by way of their photograph, I share information. And I actually place a person's photograph inside the instrument. Now, the instrument is sending information into their information field or into their quantum field. So I work with photographs. A photograph represents a bilocated version of a person. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm experiencing scalar energy. My photograph is quantum entangled. That's, that's a term that many people are starting to use now, where you have two force fields that connect with one another. So what am I getting at? My photograph connects with my force field. Now, my predecessor was so successful demonstrating this hieronymous security hat for his instrument. I'm working off the schematic of that I, U.S. I didn't hear you for a second. Your, okay. your predecessor, just repeat my, that. My predecessor, Galen Hieronymus, secured a U.S. patent for this instrument. And I'm working off the schematics of that U.S. patent. So oh. this is considered a valid instrument by the U.S. government. You actually had a British and Canadian patent. So what am I trying to prove? That this is indeed a valid science that Galen Hieronymus, my predecessor, and I have been able to work with photographs of people. Again, a photograph is my bilocated version. People don't come to my laboratory. In substitution, they send their photograph. Now, when I am working with this graph, it's under the influence, once again, of scalar energy. And just let me demonstrate once again, there's so much energy coming into this photograph, it could illuminate their force field. So when I place a person's photograph next to the Tesla coil, that's what some people call a chakra balancing or a downloading of scalar energy, all by way of the interface of a photograph. So this is not biological science. This is informational science, scalar energy science. It's a new chapter in physics. So would it be new or is it a resurgence and a development of old? Let's, let's put it this way. Tesla was the first man to harness this energy, but his work has been suppressed. This right. is hidden technology, suppressed technology. Why isn't Tesla taught? in in the uh, classrooms of academia today. Frankly, because the Illuminati doesn't want you to know that. Mm -hmm. Because this is free energy, and as you said, this would disrupt the existing military-industrial complex. Right. Right. Yeah. So how can this uh, be directed for uh, healing modalities? So I I know that that you're saying it's not a biological system, but of course, if you speak in the quantum realm, every cell has a frequency. Um, And there's many, uh, I think people are becoming much more familiar with this type of uh, technology. Uh, By by way of communications. Now I'm going to demonstrate and you're going to see how I do not have a direct uh, input with this instrument. Energy does all of the work. Intelligence. Now, if I wanted to eradicate a microbe, I would do it by way of a photograph. That's a photograph of the Epstein-Barr virus. Okay. If I place the Epstein-Barr virus 
within my quantum field, side by side my quantum field, my quantum field will pick up the information from the Epstein-Barr virus. There will be a communication of Epstein-Barr with my quantum field, my energy field. Hence, if I had Epstein-Barr in my quantum field, this instrument looked for that and eradicated. I'm going to demonstrate. It's very straightforward. I place a photograph of the Epstein-Barr virus in the quantum field alongside my photograph. Now, those two energy fields are communicating with one another. My quantum field, my energy field, my force field is communicating with Epstein-Barr. So there's some type of quantum entanglement within the, the two information systems. And that process, by way of scatter energy operation action, will look for Epstein-Barr in me and bring it to a state of chaos. It's that simple and straightforward. So a state of chaos, meaning what? What is that? You, you break apart the molecular bonds of the Epstein-Barr virus. This instrument works by intelligence, by energy. It will send an impulse, an energy impulse into me. It will look for Epstein-Barr and then break down the molecular bonds of the Epstein-Barr virus. Wow. You reduce a microorganism into a state of chaos. Mm-hmm. I do it not by drugs. I do it by energy through an interface of a person's photograph. So what has your experience been? Can you give some examples? Now, of- yeah. Well, everybody I've ever worked with, say with, with viruses that are considered to be uh, uh, not only a pathogenic, but life-threatening, or, or at least have no cure, no medical cure. For instance, everybody I've ever worked with with Epstein-Barr virus tells me that they no longer have a viral load for Epstein-Barr. I've worked with uh, thousands of people with HIV. After working with those people, nobody has any viral load for the HIV virus. By way of a PCR test, there's no viral load. So time and time again over the past 12, 13, 14 years, I've demonstrated that this is responsible for reducing their viral load to negligible, undetected. Nobody can detect a viral load after we finish with them. So have you worked with other uh, types of ailments other than viruses? I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, controversy around viruses these days. So. Yes. Yeah. I, my specialty right now is working with pathogens. And the reason I say so is because if I can photograph a pathogen, mm-hmm. then there's no interpretation on my part. The instrument does all the work through the photograph. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think we can broaden our horizons and we can work with any other types of uh, genetic diseases, cancer, neurological diseases? Yes, but I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's understanding yet. So, I, I guess I... I my question around the viruses and, uh, you know, forgive me, I, I it's not to challenge. It's just that I think yeah. people will ask this question because yes. there's a lot of dispute about whether or not, you know, viruses are sub-microscopic particles. So what we're seeing when you hold up a picture of a virus is more of a theoretical model uh, than, you know, a uh, photographic representation of yes. such. So how yes. does that translate that's, to, yeah. That's a good point. So let me hold this up closely to the to the screen. Okay, yeah. That Epstein-Barr transmission electron micrograph, and it shows its DNA. Okay. Now, 
when I use a photograph, again, there's no human interpretation. So that instrument behind me will interpret the molecular structure of the DNA, mm-hmm. the genetic material, and bring to state of chaos the DNA, the genetic material. So what am I getting at? Without any human interpretation, any human interface, mm-hmm. the instrument will look at the molecular composition of that virus and reduce it to a state of chaos. And as a result, people tell me that they no longer have any detectable viral load for Epstein Barr mm-hmm. and that they're symptom free, that they wow. feel much better. Right. Now, to underscore this, these instruments are unique. My process is unique. I have nobody that, that has duplicated my work. I am at the forefront of this movement. Wow. How, how did you develop the uh, insurance, instrument? I I met the Hieronymus family back in 1993, and, and for right. about five years, I performed an understudy. And then after that, I've been working with a, an engineering team to potentiate, to, to make it a stronger output or, or, or magnify its output. Long story short, this has been my life, Courtney. I've been at this for engineering this type of instrumentation now for 30 years and perfecting our approach. So this is, if you will, it's it's my singular approach. I don't think I have anybody else who's ever duplicated my results. I'm trying to introduce this new technology, this new protocol to, to people. Wow. And what has been your experience in introducing it to others? People like it. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's easy. People like the fact that they only have to send us a photograph. Many people are, are versed in Tessa uh, mm-hmm. technology, or at least believe in it, that it's feasible. Right. And uh, I always offer 15 days of free sessions on my website. So many people just sign up. I have thousands of people who sign up for the free sessions. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, people experience the benefits. That's, that's our, uh, our, 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 the salient point that I want to drive forward. Does it work? Well, according to people, thousands of people, it works. And how, how quickly do people see results typically? Usually within the first week. People wow. feel much better within the first week. Wow. So this instrument has the ability, I've, I've just simplified it. Mm-hmm. This instrument has the ability to look for hundreds of thousands of species of pathogens, viruses, protozoan, bacteria, fungi, mold, and eradicate that, that if you will, that that signature, that intelligence, mm-hmm. all through energy, no chemicals. This is not physical matter. This is information. Right. So I, I'm, I'm so fascinated because it, this is very much like predicated on an understanding that all of our uh, ailments are stemming from a pathological source where there's a lot of controversy around that currently. Um, I mean, not to say that there aren't pathogens. I think we yes. can, you know, certainly bacteria. I think that's pretty, there are people who dispute that that exists, but I, I think that's pretty, uh, that's much more widely accepted. Um, we can actually see bacteria. So, um, but there are a lot of other roots of ailments, sure. right? So- sure, sure. Eventually, again, I perfected this technique with microbes because mm-hmm. it's so simple to photograph a microbe, a germ, and eradicate right. it. Right. Now, if this is divine intelligence, I, I say, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, I'll be able, somebody will be able to take this energy and to cure hundreds or thousands of diseases. I cannot do that. Uh, that's not right. my claim. Right. Do I think, I think it's possible? Yes. 
So mm-hmm. I, I don't make any claims that I can do that. At least now, now I cannot. Do right. I think it's possible? Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. So it's a so- new science. This is, I, I just want to drive home this point. This is what Tesla envisioned. You cannot study this in, in, in any university. Scalar techno- technology, Tesla technology, radiant energy is not taught. It's suppressed. Well, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, very few people, I, most people learn about Tesla outside of school. Uh, if if, the, if they're lucky, there's like a one line in your science textbook when you're in like the yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely have suppressed yeah. that, that information. What do you think will happen if, let's say, I, I do see quantum technology uh, becoming much more pervasive, at least in the conversation. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are, I, you know, and, and to be fair, it's like anything, right? You have a, a, a lot of people who are kind of riding the movement and there's a lot of, you know, very expensive technology that's not necessarily all that effective. Um, and then, you know, there are people doing very real things uh, and, you know, exploring it. Yep. Uh, what do you think were to happen though, if this does really take hold and, you know, people are, uh, it, it, it has success and it's a, becomes much more pervasive. Okay. That's a great question. So I showed you, I'm working with one photograph. I can work with many photographs. Right. Earlier today in my laboratory, I was working with half a million photographs. Half a million photographs. So this instrument in one day could easily work with five or 10 million photographs. Now, oh, did I lose you? This is what I call the multiplier effect because okay. we transcend time and space, I can miniaturize photos, and I can place. Millions of photographs, miniaturized photographs inside that instrument, and I can work with millions of people by way of their force field. So you you see where we're going with this. Yeah. This has really no limit. There is this is unlimited. Yeah. Now, if I can do that with if I can do that with a million people, then eventually I can be able to illuminate a million light bulbs. Mm-hmm. You see that we don't need an infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Again, today, early in my laboratory, I was working with half a million people. Well, I don't have, I don't have half a million cell phones that I'm connecting to. I don't need a cell phone tower. I don't, don't need wires. I don't need substations. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure, it's a free infrastructure. So I can connect with half a million people on the dime easily. So what would be the... I guess I'm thinking about things like, you know, the, like if we take, for instance, the recent uh, pandemic, right? Uh, and they keep talking about how there will be the next one. Now, let's just take away uh, any dispute about whether, you know, what that was, because there's a lot of controversy around that as well. Um, but let's just say that, you know, it is whether it is a, a actual virus, whether it's a synthetic bioweapon, whether it was just a bunch of fear in order to push experimental injection. But let's just say that, you know, for the sake of this argument, like that it was some sort of a virus maybe that was manipulated in hands and that they do have some sort of plan to, uh, you know, unleash another one in the future. What yeah. would it mean if this, if that was a, a valid uh, premise and that this technology could then heal uh, all those people um, and then, like, what would that mean for the future and for, I guess, the future? Just to it, it would 
it would mean we have an answer. I'm all mm -hmm. about results, Courtney. Answer, right. performance. During the pandemic, mm -hmm. the, the past two years, everybody that I was working with, my family, my friends, hundreds of people, nobody went to the hospital. We were all healthy. I had photographs of, of the virus, and I was very successful. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That, that's really Here, I'm going to... I'm going to give you the audience a, a, okay. a, a hands-on hands example. I'm okay. holding up a photograph. This is a clinic in Delhi, India, Om Prakash. Okay. It's an HIV AIDS clinic in Delhi, India. I've worked with 5,000 people at this clinic, okay. Om Prakash in Delhi, India. Hmm. After working with 5,000 people who, who were HIV positive, many of them have had a follow-up test. Nobody is HIV positive after I work with them. Wow. Nobody. 5,000 people at the Om Prakash HIV Clinic, Delhi, India. Mm -hmm. You can check my facts. You can speak to this man, Sahil. He's the founder. Mm -hmm. Sahil sent me his photograph in 2017. He was positive. Wow. Okay. And they were all healed. I think you're freezing up. Hello? All right. We are back. We had a little bit of technical interference, uh, some challenges here, but it seems like everything is running back up and uh, we should be able to continue hopefully smoothly. So, yeah, we were having a little conversation about you were talking about how people question the viral load. And uh, yeah, could you explain that further? What? Sure, sure. Well, when I'm working with these instruments, once again, what I like about my work, I can always pinpoint a virus. I'm holding up a mm -hmm. photograph of the HIV virus. Okay. If I can take that signature and download it into a person's quantum field, if they right. had any part of that genetic signature, that, that type mm -hmm. of RNA, we could identify that genetic signature and bring it to a state of chaos. Now. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? Well, in, in function, I've worked with over 5,000 people at an HIV clinic in Delhi, India. Mm -hmm. This is a clinic by the name of Om Prakash. Mm -hmm. And after working with over 5,000 people who at one time were HIV positive, mm -hmm. the follow-up PCR test showed no viral load. For instance, this is the viral load test from the founder of this clinic. Mm -hmm. I'll hold it up for the audience to see. There's right. No I can't really see it, but yeah. There's no okay. viral load, not detected, no viral load for HIV. Okay. Now, after being HIV positive for 13 years, this right. man, Sahil, the founder of Own Precautions, told us time and time again, he's had follow-up tests, he has no viral load for HIV. So I still have several questions regarding that because that that's not to deny the validity of the technology that that could still be. But yeah. I, I feel like there's some false presuppositions because, what, as we were discussing before, you know, you're talking about sub microscopic particles, so right. we can't actually see it. So we're talking about you're taking a picture of a theoretical model. It's not actually a picture right. of, of that virus. Right. So. Right. 
And it's entirely possible. Now, I don't claim to be an authority on this. I, I'm i much more open to a nuanced conversation on this. I know there are people who are very polarized on both sides of the argument. You know, they're very adamant that there's either there's no virus and it's completely uh, an illegitimate uh, concept. And then there are people who are very adamant, you know, they're seeped in the field of virology and they believe that, you know, the whole model theoretical model is in fact uh factual and uh, that it is the the basis for which uh pathology most pathology exists um i'm a little bit nuanced on that conversation i i think there's a lot we actually just don't know but what i do know is that there has been a lot of evidence to uh electromagnetic interference and uh the correlation of illnesses um yes. And that there's also a lot in that realm that we don't know. So I, I, I'm not, you know, making a very uh, specific kind of a claim, except that there is a lot of evidence to indicate that there, you know, throughout history, there's this correlation between things like pandemics, endemics, uh, you know, viral, Ill what we've labeled as viral illnesses and uh, electromagnetic uh, interference or uh, a surge of increase in electromagnetic technology that seems to coincide with some of these. So that's not to uh, give credence or discredit one or side of the argument or the other. It's simply to introduce that that we know happens to be true. And I don't really believe in coincidences, but it could be a coincidence. Uh, so all this long-winded kind of, uh, you know, rambling just to say that uh, is it possible that it's working much more on a frequency uh, rather than it is on a uh, pathology? And uh, yeah, I, I, I will say this. Oh, I, and then one other thing before we get to that, too, is just to add the PCR element. Sorry, because uh, we, we know the PCR. I mean, Carrie Mullis himself said the PCR is not a diagnostic tool. Right. Uh, we know that, it, you know, they can amplify. Uh, right. So. Then, You're right. Karen, Karen Mullen said he never designed it to be a diagnostic tool. And the PCR test it is telling, but it has to be interpreted still. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You can over amplify a sample, and that that is that's improper because they you're not looking for per se that that common denominator or mm -hmm. that 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 sample X. I'll call it. Sure. So PCR testing, like anything, is is to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not infallible, obviously. Right. What is my point? After working with five thousand people in Delhi, India, who were HIV positive, mm -hmm. they all feel better. They've mm -hmm. gained weight. Many of them have stopped taking meds. Mm -hmm. And if some of those people had to follow a PCR test, mm -hmm. according to the testing laboratory in Delhi, India, they no longer have a viral load. Right. That's the point. Now, your anybody's conclusion? Well, that. That's a matter of conjecture because this has never been done before. Right. This is groundbreaking. I do not have a peer. I cannot show the audience a peer-reviewed paper. I have no peers. Right. No, I understand that. I, I'm just, uh, I'm not questioning the the anecdotal evidence that has been presented. You know, somebody can clearly feel better. They can be, quote unquote, healed. You know, in whatever capacity that looks like. Um, but that still doesn't, you know. That you're right. There's a lot of questions right. about what is HIV even. So I, I agree, Courtney. And you're absolutely right. We we don't know. There's mm -hmm. so much we don't know. But I will say this after working with people, whether it's herpes, HIV, hepatitis, tuberculosis, Lyme disease, 
people tell me by way of their testimony. Right. The thing I can prove their testimony. Yeah. That they feel better. Right. And if some of them had a PCR test, here's another PCR test from Delhi, mm-hmm. India. No viral load, not detectable for HIV. Now, right. I'll let anybody interpret that because it is anecdotal. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, uh, discrediting the, the, the result because I, I very much, we, there's so much we don't know. And I, I definitely don't claim to have the answer. Um, and I think that there's absolutely potential in, uh, you know, this type of technology and so many others that, you know, we're not, uh, that are not being explored and not, uh, you know, not even brought to the conversation really. Um, but I think, I, I don't, the reason I bring this up and I, I push a little bit on it is just because I do think it's valid because I think there's so much more to illness than what we, you know, again, what we know. And right. I think that there is a narrative around illness. Um, right. And it, the the problem with that is that one, it breeds more fear, um, yeah. but two, uh, uh, there's many problems, you know, certainly the whole, uh, you know, pharmaceutical model is predicated on this uh, narrative. And so, of course, that creates a great business, but it also propagates more illness because there's, you know, side effects to almost all of these types of uh, treatments. Uh, but then there's also in terms of just I I want to not that I'm in a position to, but I think questions are the first step to possible solutions. And if we question the underlying uh, causes of things, then I think that we can get closer to a possible solution. And so I guess I'm just curious about looking at this from an alter. I get why you look at it from this angle, because you're trying to and I, I respect this. You're trying to look for a, a reproducible model of testing. In order yeah. to uh, validate the uh, the results that you're seeing, and right. so from a scientific and uh, you know even just uh, as an investigative person, I I respect that that you're looking for something that is quantifiable, uh, reproducible, and measurable. Uh, but I I also just can't help but wonder if when you're dealing if you're dealing with energy essentially what it is right as woo woo as that sounds there's really no other word to uh you know capture that so if you're dealing with energy i mean there is lots of evidence to indicate that you know a lot of illness stems from uh things like trauma things like uh uh you know emotional uh disease and you know like dis-ease uh that manifests itself physiologically um you know, the Hippocrates said all all illness starts in the gut, right? So, yeah. and we know how much of our gut is uh, um, regulated by, neuro- we have more neurotransmitters in our gut than we do in our brain. So, you know, it there then follows that there would likely be a feedback loop. And of course, so much of that, we know if you're thinking about quantum uh, energy, so much of that is actually affected by uh, thought processes, experiences, how we interpret those experiences. So I know all of this is not quantifiable. I don't have like a tangible kind of uh, reproducible model, but I, I think it's relevant, especially with the technology that you're uh, working on to explore those um, underlying uh, root causes as because it would seem to make sense that something like this would be very potentially effective on that. You're right. I agree with much of what you said. I want to make this very clear. 
as a new science, mm-hmm. we can we can only compare it to conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. This this is not Western medicine. This is not Newtonian physics. And this is what Tesla, Hieronymus, and I find so fascinating. Mm-hmm. This is a different dimension of energy. If I can work with somebody remotely by way of their photograph, that proves in quantum entanglement. If I can connect with my photograph through an instrument, that mm-hmm. proves we can quantum entangle. Two mm-hmm. objects can communicate with one another instantaneously. That's not electromagnetic energy. That's not Newtonian science. So can you, uh, I, I think just for, for my audience, clarify uh, quantum entanglement and yeah. also uh, distinguish between electromagnetic uh, frequency sure. and uh, quantum energy. There's a theory of quantum entanglement, meaning I'm going to hold up two fists, that two objects separated by a distance can mm-hmm. communicate with one another instantaneously. even Like though protons, it's for instance. Like protons or even two galaxies separated from one another can, can interconnect or communicate instantaneously. Now, if that's the case, it's not electromagnetic energy. Electromagnetic energy can only move at a top velocity of 186,000 miles per second. So if quantum entanglement, where two objects can communicate instantaneously, that's a different physics. That's quantum physics. That's informational physics. That's what a lot of people are calling Tesla physics or what I'm studying. As opposed to electromagnetic energy, which is a different energy spectrum. Electricity and, and scalar are two different spectrums. Electricity is we're, we're familiar with AC and electricity in our home. The instrument that I was demonstrating earlier was not working with AC electricity. That's a different energy, scalar energy. So it, it's very simple. There, there's two dimensions. There's two energies. So when you say it's a different dimension, what what is your definition of that? It's non-physical energy it's spirit it's it's actually the spirit world there's mm-hmm. no electrons or protons within a scalar energy dimension everything becomes non-physical you might some people might call that antimatter if we're looking at the electromagnetic uh, environment where chemical processes reign and where there is physical matter what i've discovered with scalar energy there's not an electron or proton involved it's the spirit world. It's non-physical. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I'm trying to think of how uh, we can quantify that for people. Let me, let me yeah. give an example. You know, some of you, regardless of your background, you've heard mm-hmm. of angels or some of you believe in angels. You believe an angel can pass through a wall. Right. If an angel walked through my, the wall in the back office here, he could pass through that wall. Why? The angel is composed of scalar energy. So if you're non-physical, you're going to pass through a physical wall. That's what I'm saying. This is the spirit world or the angelic world. That's what I'm working with, non-physical reality or information. It's not physical. 
Right. So in the like in terms of uh, like quantum physics, would that be um, so does this align with like something like a, a Michukaku string theory type of dimensions yes. or and if it yes, did, it then at, like what dimension would that be what we're dealing with? Yeah, let's let's use that term string theory. So there's some type of connection out there. I call that quantum entanglement. Some people might call that a string theory. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. If you're working with electricity, electricity has to travel as a wave, as a frequency from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. But string theory or quantum entanglement means everything is already interconnected. Mm-hmm. There is no point A and point B because A and B are connected into one point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it is abstract. I'll, I'll grant that. It's a different way of looking at reality. This new field of physics, scalar energy, quantum physics, will eventually prove the spirit world, the non-physical information. So if that is the case, what is the ramifications for things like, so I I know in alignment with this type of uh, a worldview and thought processes, uh, you know, there's, there are people who believe like we're already in a singularity that we're already in some sort of, and then there are people who have a goal of getting us towards a singularity, uh, you know, with things like a, you know, a, an AI hyperborg type of like a Skynet type of thing. So what would this paradigm, and I call it a paradigm because if uh, it, it may already be the reality, right? Like this, this may already be the existence. But if we were to adopt this paradigm that we're already in a uh, quantum entanglement where everything is interconnected um, and that there, I mean, one's not going to deny that there is a physical realm. I mean, we're, we we can touch things and feel things and, and look at things. So uh, I think that we would... Uh, you know, I, I guess we can dispute that existence as well, but most of us would agree that there is a f- physical realm. But then it would then follow uh, if we were to adopt a paradigm like the quantum quantum entanglement or string theory type of a, a premise, then it would follow that there is also, in addition to that, that, you know, let me just for hypothetical purposes, for the purposes of illustrating my point, uh, you know, if we're we're in the third dimension right now. We're in a three-dimensional world. And let's say we, you, you talked about, you know, uh, superseding uh, the time-space continuum. So, you know, like orbiting, those types of things theoretically wouldn't happen until you're in the fourth dimension. So is it that, so I, I guess my question is just uh, trying to frame all of this and conceptualize yeah. it because, you know, we're three-dimensional beings. We can't really, I, right. and believe me, I've tried. I've, I've actually stared at a, like, uh, a rendition, a computer model of a Tesseract for hours, like hours. And, you know, it's fascinating to watch, but I can't really fathom it. I can intellectually conceptualize it, but I can't actually fathom it because I'm a three-dimensional being. So my my question then is, it does... If that is the the next realm, and then we are also really all entangled, what does that mean for our existence? Yeah, it, it proves the unifying field. It proves, in many ways, that there is a creator. It proves that there is a connection with all activity, all action in the universe. If my if this theory is correct, the unified mm-hmm. theory, scalar energy, the quantum field, it's an it's a vast universal information field in which everything is connected everything communicates with everything 
instantaneously. That's the perfect communication system. That That's one heck of an internet. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, this, I'm is just... where, this is where we're going. This We're going to leave behind electromagnetic energy. No hard feelings here, but it's passe. And it has its limits. Scan energy is unlimited. Tesla de- demonstrated free energy. I'm demonstrating, according to people, that they no longer, for whatever reason, have any physical presence of, of, uh, of a virus. Why? I probably reduced the virus to a state of antimatter, from matter to antimatter. Remember, I'm working with non-physical or antimatter instructions. Mm-hmm. So what would it mean for things like like AI? What would it mean for things like, because there, there are people who are trying to create this type of, uh, right. right? And and that right. is a... Uh, uh, Very good. My, yeah. AI is the thought process or it's the computer programming, whereas my instrument is the actual action. Now, AI can, cannot perform action. My instrument can perform an action. AI is an intelligence. It's it's a computing system. Sure. So if we eventually match up incredible intelligence to a scanner energy instrument, then we finally have the tool to do what we want to do. Now, many people can conceptualize something, theorize, but they can't actuate. With a scanner energy instrument, you can you can make that a reality. So are you saying work in conjunction with it, or are you saying you could combat it? No, eventually work in conjunction with, with all good people, men of goodwill, and, and technology of goodwill. Okay. Uh, what, what am I getting at? I have the, 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 the tool par excellence. What mm-hmm. I have in my laboratory is really the modern-day equivalent of the Ark of the Covenant. Scanner energy is the driving force of the Ark of the Covenant. So you have dominion over nature. My mm-hmm. instrument allows me to have dominion over, over substances, bacteria, viruses, toxins. I can even create a nutrient with my instrument. So this is the beginning, if you will, introduction to controlling our destiny, controlling the physical universe, evidently. Wow. So then what would... I, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking about like you're saying so with in conjunction with good people and good intentions, which all yeah. sounds really beautiful. But the reality is that it, it, if you believe there is a, a spiritual battle of source and oh, sure. both both at play. Right. So what, you, what you is, use the term binary. That's yeah. appropriate. You have good people and you have evil people. Let's, right. let's just be quite candid about it. So this technology that I have is so strong. It, it offers the world such great promise. I'm going to have to work with people of, of goodwill, people who want to bring forward, if you will, the benefits of mankind. If if scanner energy could be used as a tool for harm, as a weapon, mm-hmm. well, that's that's horrific to me. Yeah, I, I I mean, I've definitely heard people talk about how it can be. So, I, so there are definitely people who who believe that it, it can, and I think there is some. Uh, there's some research to indicate that that has been developed as well. So, we it's a new chapter in human mm-hmm. history. This is what Tesla envisioned. Tesla gave up his career with electricity, with AC electricity. If you look closely at his instruments, later in his life, there were no moving parts. Mm-hmm. Where was he generating? There was no induction motor. Where was he generating the, 
the action, the kinetic energy right. from the sun and the stars. Right. The sun, the stars are the motor, so to speak. The power plant are the sun and the stars. He was extracting or capturing the energy of the cosmos. Yeah, that's that's amazing to think about. You said that uh, the unified field theory uh, uh, substantiates the notion of there being a creator. Can you explain how it does that? Yes. If if everything can communicate instantaneously with itself in the universe, then it had to have a divine or a supreme leader or supreme force. And the fact that you can have that, it really proves an uncreated being. How could you create something so vast, universal? What preceded that? What creation preceded that? Well, as far as I'm concerned from a Christian perspective, you, that you have to have an uncreated, an uncreated supreme being to create a universe, a universe that's infinite. So you think these two theories are uh, compatible? Oh, yes. Okay. They, they, they fit hand in glove. They fit hand in glove. You have a supreme God who's uncreated, who created the unifying field, mm-hmm. what some people call the Alpha Omega, what, what mm-hmm. we call today quantum entanglement. Right. You know, it's just choose your terms. It, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's the same the universe. Well, I know, uh, speaking of the string theory, I don't know if I, I know where it is, but uh, Mitchell Conker did, I mean, he was an atheist and he wrote the book, The, the God Question, uh, and where he essentially proved that you know, there was a creator um, and kind of went against his own theory. <laughs> um, well, but. well if, if you just look at creation, you always say, well, what was the cause of that? You have to keep going right. back. I know. What, was the cause? I know. what was the cause? And eventually, if you're following that, that type of linear thinking, then you have to say that something uncreated cause. created the first cause. Right. Right. Sure. Um I had another question. I, I'll have to circle back and see if I can remember it. Um, <laughs> it's quite profound, there. isn't it? You know, I, I love my work because, yeah, I, I can do a lot of good. But I, it also, it's quite quite a brain teaser, if you will. I, I spent a lot, a lot of my childhood thinking about these types of questions and these types of theories. Um, so I find it really, really fascinating. Um but it is also as a, you know, the thing about childhood is that your your imagination is so vast and you're able to suspend uh, or, or you don't even have so many of the presuppositions that ground you uh, into a, uh, you know, a paradigm or a, a, a framework. And so you're able to imagine things that are not necessarily tangible, which is, I guess, the definition of imagination. But I think that as a, or at least if I speak for myself, I just think as I've gotten older, it's been, these are definitely concepts I have spent less time thinking about because they're not in the, I think we've just been, I've just been conditioned not to, you know, that these are uh, not practical, I think is the, uh, yeah. They are practical. It's just, you're on the, the path less traveled. My right. predecessor, Hieronymus, was able to work with the Apollo 11 astronauts by way of their photograph during their lunar mission. And he was able to monitor their biorhythms while they were uh, orbiting the moon and on the surface of the moon. So what's my point? Distance is no factor here. Everything is quantum entangled. 
This is why my predecessor, Hieronymus, through a photograph, was able to work with the Apollo 11 astronauts, a quarter of a million miles away. This is real. It's the unifying field. It's the quantum field. Call it quantum entanglement. It's real. Hieronymus proved it. I am proving it. And what would you say is your proof of the uh, unifying field or like not just like, is it just the anecdotal stories of people uh, being yes. healed or? Anecdotal stories of people. Now, keep in mind, I've worked with millions of people. Right. Courtney. I've, I've, worked, I've been doing this for years. Today in my laboratory, I work with half a million people. Wow. Now, time after time, year after year, people tell me, Tom, I no longer have a viral load for, for such and such. It's mm-hmm. because I targeted the herpes virus. Mm-hmm. Tom, I feel better. My sleep pattern has increased. Mm-hmm. As my sleep, uh, my my strength has increased. My sleep has improved. How? Through the chakra balancing. The only the only input that I have is a person's photograph, which is quantum entangled. You cannot explain that by way of Newtonian physics. Mm-hmm. My instrument is not an electrical instrument. An electrical instrument cannot perform those feats. Mm-hmm. Only a scalar energy instrument working in a different dimension can pr- can produce a chakra balancing by way of a photograph. Way of photograph. So on your site, you have like a bunch of different uh, uh, things that you target. So how does it work for? Yeah. So uh, we, we have so many programs, probably in nine different programs. For instance, right. I'm able to take photographs here. That's before and i'm able to download through a photograph a mm-hmm. nutrient into a person okay now if i can do that with a photograph of before i can do that with with female hormones or i can do mm-hmm. that with an antioxidant so it's the, the safe way the sure way is taking a photograph of some type of nutrient or some mm-hmm. type of hormone and downloading it by way of intelligence now, why, again, why do I work with photographs? Well, I, there's no interpretation. I don't have to interpret the, the molecular integrity, if you will, of B4. Nor do I have to download it. The instrument, the energy downloads that. Mm-hmm. So it's a foolproof technique. This is a mistake-proof technique. When you're mm-hmm. working with a, an energy instrument, energy is light, light is flawless. And then I can download or I can instruct the instrument through a photograph of a vitamin. Well, I always have my, the objective is always guaranteed. There's no human input. Right. Other than the the picture that you're inserting. Thank you. There's no room for human error. I love my work because of that fact. Now, keep in mind, in in other walks of life, human error is is part part of the equation. I understand. I I can say my work is mistake-proof because... I don't get involved. The instrument, the energy does the work, and I instruct. The instructions come from a photograph. Well, I don't interpret the photograph. It's a source of light. So a source of light is the input. Is scalar energy always working with light? I, I thought there are always. other frequencies, the no, sound. Or... Just, well, that's an extension. Yes, sound is an extension. Actually, mm-hmm. scalar energy is, is the cause of all activity. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is the Alpha and Omega. It's the first expression from God. If you read the book of Genesis, when God said, be light made, he meant specifically scalar light. That was the first energy of, of, of creation. 
Taylor Light. Yes. Electricity is a subset. How can I prove that? It's been demonstrated, and I can do this in my laboratory. I see small lightning bolts during a lightning storm when my Mm -hmm. instrument is on. So my instrument is producing scalar energy lightning bolts, which degrades into electricity. So what's my point? Even a lightning bolt from an electrical storm is always a scalar energy force field initially, and then it degrades into electromagnetic energy. So scalar energy drives our atmosphere. In specific, scalar energy is the the power behind all lightning strikes. It's the power behind all lightning strikes, that we said? Yes, yes. All, all lightning initiates a scalar energy, and then it degrades into electromagnetic energy. So I want to make this clear. There's two energies in the universe. Even, even looking, studying nature and looking at a lightning bolt, all lightning initiates a scalar energy and then will degrade eventually to electromagnetic energy. And that's why it breaks apart. It dissipates. The, the lightning bolt dissipates. If, if that lightning was always in a scalar energy force field, it would never degrade. You would have perpetual lightning. Perpetual lightning? Yes. Tesla, in 1899, at his Colorado Springs laboratory, was creating artificial lightning. And in the vicinity of his tower, that lightning manifested and it remained as lightning. It was only when it traveled at a distance would it break down from elect- into electromagnetic energy. All lightning initiates a scalar energy. Tesla proved that, I've proved So in terms of technology, I know your work is focused on uh, healing modalities, but it sounds like this would make sense to use it for other technology. Yes, yes. There was a Russian by the name of Viktor Grabenikov who was able to to capture scalar energy and and levitate. He created an anti-gravity levitating platform. Yeah, I've heard of this. it's it's endless. Another inventor, Moray, Moray was able to take his scalar energy instrument out, out into the fields, out into the country, and tap into the energy of the sun and the stars and illuminate a light bulb down hundreds of miles away from a power station sometimes. Oh. Quite fascinating. So this is free energy. Make no mistake, well, scalar energy is the energy of the cosmos. The power plant are the sun and the stars. The infrastructure is all around us. It's the ether. So that raises the question, why aren't we using this? Why why isn't this being promulgated? Why why haven't more people tried to do what I've done? It's suppressed. My research is suppressed. Have you experienced suppression of your research? By social media. If I put a post out on social media, it'll go nowhere. Right, sure. It'll, yeah. it'll go nowhere. I, I and, um, that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and it, thank you. And if, if I try to uh, promote this by any, uh, not only social media, but, but other types of advertising, many advertisers simply turn me down because they're intimidated. Mm-hmm. They're intimidated. You know, they, they're in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. They're in bed with the power companies. So I, I have to re- re- rely on grassroots effort. Big media is not helping. That's my statement. Big media has never helped. Yeah, no, well, I, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so 
In terms of technology, though, I'm just trying to think like, would would we still need the technology we have? Like, it'll or would it completely relate replace it'll it? Be it'll be obsolete. What are your it'll thoughts on on things like the World Fairs? There's there's theories that uh, the World Fairs came in to uh, promulgate the notion that this was uh, advanced technology, but it was really replacing and suppressing the free energy, um, and that actually it was the free energy that was. Uh, you know, holding up some of these structures that lasted way beyond because they were supposed to be yeah, torn I, down, I, right? I, I've read about that. Even, you know, Tesla was part of the World's Fair and um, he demonstrated his his work at the World's Fair. And, you know, that, that's a great venue, if you will, to, to, to show <clears throat> apparent technology or suppressed technology. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really conversant with that subject. So it, it, it piques my curiosity, but I don't have a final decision. Sure. Sure. Are you familiar with the? Uh, uh, I guess like Trump's uncle had a like that whole. I've, I've I've heard that story. Trump's uncle had some type of uh, arrangement with Nikola Tesla. Yeah. And that Trump's uncle might have some of the some of the paperwork or some of the notes mm-hmm. from Tesla. I'll make this clear to the audience. As the story goes, the day that Nikola Tesla died, his apartment in New York City was raided. Everything was stolen by the federal government, the inventions, the notes, everything. It was, it's never been released. Well, then you have to ask yourself, why, why would the government steal notes, schematics, inventions? Very good question. Um, it's certainly not the, the first time. I know the done. answer. Yeah, it's they, certainly not they, the first they time. They wanted to suppress the technology. Right, right. Um, or at least suppress the exploration of it. For sure. Yeah. 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 Apparently, the story goes uh, <clears throat> JP Morgan is the front man for the Rothschilds. JP Morgan was just a puppet. JP right. Morgan had a, a, a business arrangement with Nikola Tesla over 100 years ago. And JP Morgan was interested in the work of Tesla. But eventually, JP Morgan and the Rothschilds realized that Tesla was working on free energy. And what would free energy have done? It would have made obsolete the metal industry would have made mm-hmm. obsolete the, the telecommunications that they were working on it would have made obsolete standard oil and on and on and on mm-hmm. so after that a smear campaign was was a leveled at tesla and uh the elite was no longer interested in, in working with tesla because they knew that he discovered free energy they were they were no longer interested in working with Tesla, you're saying, yeah. Correct. The, the yeah. lead was no longer going to work with Tesla. Morgan had no more financial backing for Tesla. Why? Because the, the elite, the Illuminati, realized that free energy would collapse their their empire. Right. So yeah. that, that's certainly the theory. That certainly makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, would we... I, I'm just really trying to think about like the possibility. Are there other people working on other technologies that could be? And in his Courtney, research? Courtney, I see. I, I look at the internet. Very few people have really delved into scalar energy. What I've seen from the internet, I haven't seen one instrument that's a valid scalar energy instrument. They're electrical. No, they're electrical instruments. Now I can't say I spent an undue amount of time looking at that, but right. this does not surprise me. They're, they're two divergent sciences. Mm-hmm. Electromagnetic energy is not scalar energy. It's, it's, it, 
really requires a, a lifetime of study. Yes, having electrical engineering experience helps, but you have to start from ground zero if you want to learn scalar energy. There's no wattage or amps in, in scalar energy. Right. Right. Um, I was, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I, I was listening to you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm just curious with, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. How long have you been, uh, how long, I think you said in the beginning, but how long did it take you to develop that instrument? Uh, I met with the Hieronymus family in 1993. Now, they had right. a working model. Back then, I was 33 years of age, and I was fascinated with their work. And I actually could purchase scanner energy instruments from them. And over the past 15 years, I've worked with a brilliant engineer. and we, We've modified, increased the power potential of the scanner energy instrument to the point now I can easily work with a million photographs a day by way of these instruments. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, it, it, as far as an engineering track, it's been a good 15 years. Of developing the instrument yeah. itself? Yes, of perfecting, say perfecting it at least. Right. What were, I'm curious about like the early stages of working on that instrument. Like what, what did that look like and what was the equipment and yeah. And what were some of the. Hieronymus was working with vacuum tubes. His really strong powered instruments were working with a vacuum tube. The best way I can describe that in scalar energy language, a vacuum tube, it's not solid state. A vacuum tube actually has a miniature universe inside of it. So what are we doing with the vacuum tube? We're recreating the universe, or we're, we're walking hand in hand. We're, we're trying to copy nature. As opposed to solid-state circuitry, you can never achieve a strong scalar energy force field, not that I know, by way of solid-state circuitry. So by using a, a vacuum tube, it, it, it serves to allow this double helix or, or allow the creation of the scalar wave. And uh, Moray, Thomas Moray, another great scanner energy researcher, was using vacuum tubes. So that that was really one of the telling uh, moments in, in our development, using vacuum tubes to create this standing wave, scalar wave. Scalar wave, meaning? It's, it's a waveform. It's a double helix. <clears throat> scalar energy, it's not sinusoidal. It, it's the same ratio and proportion is DNA. Actually, it's scalar energy gives us, creates DNA. So if you can look at the DNA model, that's the, that's the actual motif of scalar energy. It's a double helix. Interesting. I've, I've heard people say that uh, the DNA is uh, like actually an antenna. Uh, yes, it is. And what type of antenna? It's a scalar energy antenna. We absorb that scalar energy. If you've ever asked yourself what creates and maintains the DNA molecule, it's scalar intelligence. That's the download. That's that's the information from the sun and the stars. That's that's God's light. That's why we are created by the scalar light that forms that creates our DNA. I have go on record. Yeah, I've I've heard this theory. So. I now I guess my next question is: Do you think, because you were saying how it's been suppressed, and uh, you know, you used the reference that uh, of the Illuminati and uh, them wanting to suppress it? So uh, whether it's the you know quote unquote Illuminati or uh, you know just the 
elites at this point, which I guess would be, you know, kind of an offshoot of whatever, you know, original groups. But do you think that, I guess it's twofold. Do you think that they, I'm guessing based on that statement, you think that they know that this exists? Do you think that they then teach it? And do you think they they use it for themselves? Uh, I'm sure the, the elite is very well aware of this. They were aware of it back in the early 1900s when Tesla was building up a free energy tower and and JP Morgan and the Rothschilds withdrew all funding and started a smear campaign against them. Now, have they perfected his instruments? Well, probably not of their own accord. I don't think they're that intelligent. So if they stole Tesla's notes and they stole his instruments, they could have copied his instruments. Uh, I, I have no knowledge though. I don't know if the Illuminati is using scalar technology. I do not know. Mm-hmm. That, that would be really interesting if it is yeah. used anywhere. Um, yeah. I would... I'll go on record by saying this energy really mm-hmm. provides dominion over nature. I'll, I'll go on record by saying this process that I've developed, which I can introduce a photograph of a microorganism into the instrument and bring to a state of chaos Epstein-Barr virus. What's my point? I have dominion over a microbe. I have dominion with my instrument. Now, eventually we can have dominion over larger molecular forms or dominion over our brain waves, or dominion over gravity. This, this is what I'm getting at. Scalar energy is the animating force, the controlling force of the universe. And mm-hmm. if you control scale energy, you will eventually control and master the universe. I mean every word of that. And so what what would be the ramifications of that? Supreme control, Courtney. Let's just cut to the chase. Scalar energy controls consciousness. It controls the intelligence of the universe. If you have very powerful scalar energy instruments, you can control nature. Scalar energy controls, has a mandate over nature. Scalar energy provides dominion over nature. Well, that could be really, really incredible or really, really terrifying. It it makes me think about um, CERN and, you know, they were trying to recreate the Big Bang. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if I look at the... uh, uh, CERN, and I look at some of the, what I would call, symbols of the occult that were used, I'm saying that CERN was an evil project. Anytime Mm -hmm. I see uh, the occult or any type of form of Satanism, and I saw that in many of the photographs and many of the symbols, that's that's nefarious. Now, exactly what happened at CERN, I don't know. Did they open up a scalar wave? I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, sure. But but yeah. but looking at their behavior, that was evil. That was the they were practicing the occult, or at least they were at least giving re- reference to the occult. Right, whether they actually did or it was just a signal to, yeah, yeah, yeah. that it, there was definitely references that were questionable. That that's pretty undeniable. So yeah, the details of that I don't know, but it was definitely questionable. Uh, so, I'll make it clear to your audience: I'm a Christian. Yeah. I consider myself a humanitarian. I want to help people, you know. And, and I'll, I've always said that incredible technology must be matched by by morality. Okay, advanced advanced technology must be 
walk hand in hand as a traveling partner with advanced morality. Let's say, yeah, well, I would definitely uh, agree with that statement. Well, let's say this were to take hold. I, I mean, I guess we're just going to play a hypothetical game, but I'm very curious about a lot of people have talked about uh, the, you know, quantum kind of financial systems and, uh, but I, I'm not necessarily going down that rabbit hole, but I am curious about if something like this were to, if the scalar energy were to take uh, more of a mainstream hold where, you know, it had the healing potential, it had, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, modern technologies would be replaced. I mean, I'm just thinking very basically, it seems like we could use if this type of technology is a viable, it would make sense to heat and cool homes and to light you know, indoors and you know, it, it, just at the very basic level, but that would change our entire uh, kind yes. of way of life. So what would that? Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's what I envision. In the future, we're going to illuminate our homes. We'll, we'll run factories uh, on this energy, which is free energy from the sun and the stars. Will that change society? Yes, it, it will liberate society. I firmly believe that scalar energy will liberate the human race. It will reduce our workload. We won't have to work 40 hours a week. It will reduce our expenses immeasurably. Incredible. You know, let's face it. In my laboratory, if I can work with half a million people, one person can work with half a million people. That's what I call the multiplier effect, in Mm -hmm. which I am significantly reducing their medical costs or their their costs at a chiropractor, et cetera, or their costs with the psychologist. I can work with half a million photographs, one person per day. That's the multiplier effect. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's unlimited. It's unlimited. This this is a new paradigm. It's the model, the old model is out. It's obsolete. Wow. So you were saying that you offer a uh, 15-day uh, exploration. Yeah. And yes. uh, what, what what does that look like? scalarlight.com is my website anybody in the world can visit the website sign up for our free sessions again you're going to email us just your facial shot Mm -hmm. just your bus shot and you can include your your family your friends and if you have a pet include your pets so for 15 days we will identify and eradicate microbes germs we'll balance your chakras and then we'll create nutrients pathogens, chakras, nutrients. We do that every day for 15 days. And then you decide, it's a new technology, you decide if you feel better. You decide if this is valid. And it's, it's, I'm very keen on that because nobody's ever duplicated my results. So the only way I can prove this is by testimonies. It's your testimony that will carry the weight. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so when... When people submit the photos, do they uh, do you communicate with them about what their initial ailment? Yeah. Okay, you're right. We we give them a we provide 15 days of, of emails. We explain our process during those 15 days. Okay, and the education we're going to give you is a informational education. Mm-hmm. It's an education regarding scalar energy. It's not what you learned in high school and college. We, I don't speak of Newtonian physics because I don't work with Newtonian physics. So I'm going to explain to you in those 15 days the principles of scalar energy. Awesome. So 
you, you talked a lot about like a Newtonian and how uh, Tesla's technology was suppressed. Do you think that there was a time where, do you think Tesla was like avant-garde and discovering something? Or do you think that there was a time where this energy had been known to man? It's, we've known about this for millennia, for millennia. Tesla, he was, he was gifted. Apparently, in his own words, he said that Tesla mentioned he received flashes of light. He could see an invention in his mind. He did not have to visit the laboratory. So I think he was blessed, exceedingly blessed by God, and God gave him this, this in, uh, if you will, this afflatus or this type of inspiration, and he could invent from scratch, so to speak. And that, that speaks to the point, because he, during his lifetime, he probably amassed 300 patents, maybe 400 patents. How can anybody invent one man, 300 different instruments, or 300, uh, secure 300 patents. So, you know, and it's not to detract from him, but he had help from God. He had to. One person cannot invent like that. No. Well, and I mean, the patent process, that people have no idea how difficult it is to get a patent. It's incredibly uh, expensive and a very arduous task. So, yeah, yeah so th there was definitely help. For in some some way, <laughs> um, that's not an easy feat. But and, and, and why would God do that? Why would God give him this intellect? Well, because God wanted. God will do what what He wants to do. And why did God choose Tesla as the really as the founding father of scalar energy? Well, apparently God wants us to use scalar energy. Otherwise, He would not give Tesla the wisdom. So again, in many ways, I'm trying to recapture what. Tesla has done and, and retraces footsteps. Right, right. My question was more, do you think there were people previously using this energy and living? Yeah. Yeah. Well, many, many people say, if, if you look at many of the architectural sites around the world, right, some right. of those, uh, those great architectural sites could not have been built by a crane. Uh, I would concur. Maybe they were using anti-gravity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to say. We'll have to look at each architectural site and discuss yeah, that. I, I'd but, be very curious, but there's definitely a lot of people who have alluded to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the bottom line is this. Why do I do this? Why have I given my life to this? Well, I want to help people. I see that this technology will change everything for the better. I want to solve problems. That's the whole point of my research, to solve a problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, it certainly seems like it would have the potential to do so. So, yeah, I uh, I commend you for. I mean, it's a big task. So, yes, and it I, is. <laughs> uh, in, in many ways, and it is definitely not one that is, uh, you know, encouraged by the the mainstream to explore. So, there's many obstacles, I'm sure. Yeah, um, you're right. To speak to that point, many people ask me, said Tom, "Well, who are you working with? No one. Why? There's no money in it." It's a new science. Right. You can't pay your mortgage with this. So uh, there's right now I'm one of the few pioneers, frankly. For, for sure. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Uh, definitely, please, if you have anything else you want to add, uh, please do. And, uh, of course, give the name of the site again. And uh, I will put a link. And, uh, yeah. If there's anything the, else. the website is scalarlight.com. S-C-A-L-A-R. Scalarlight.com. Tell your family, tell your friends. There are free sessions, 15 days of free sessions. 
No questions asked. Send in your photograph. It's simple. It's easy. It's painless. Help us introduce this new branch of physics to the world. Awesome. Well, I will definitely send in mine. So, yeah, I look forward to that. Courtney, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I enjoyed it. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.